So over the weekend, I saw the news about the passing of, I mean, it's not just Maryland, but that's where I knew him from, uh, University of Maryland's legendary coach, the Hall of Famer, Lefty Drizel, who passed away at age 91, and I think he just celebrated a birthday not that long ago. Uh, and nobody knew him that I know that knew him better than John Feinstein, who joins us now uh, on the Adam Gold Show, author of thousands of books, not, none yet about Lefty. No, I've always said, Adam, that Lefty was a video, not a book. <laughs> that, that you really had to see him and hear him to appreciate him. And uh, he turned 92, by the way, on Christmas Day. Wow. And uh, the, the, I led my column with in the post with what I thought was the best description I ever heard of Lefty, among many, from my old colleague and mentor, Ken Denlinger, who wrote that Lefty was God's unique Christmas present to the world in 1931. <laughs> I what, think that's just a great description. What made, first of all, he was a great coach. Yes. What What made him, what made him who he was, because the, the coach, the personality, all of it. All of it. Uh, first of all, what's underrated about Lefty is that he was very smart. Yeah. Um, because of that Virginia country accent and the, the ain'ts and the I don't know you knows and things like that, uh, people miss that he was very smart. And a great, you know, all great coaches are great communicators. Uh, and, and that starts with a college coach with when you go in the home and recruit someone. Because right. you, you recruit the whole family, you know, not just the player, but mom and dad and the high school coach or these days the AAU coach. Uh, and, and you have to give them a reason, especially if they're a great player. Tom McMillan was the highest recruited player in the country. Uh, so was Moses Malone, who was going to go to Maryland right. until he went to the ABA. Um, you have to convince the kid and his family or his advisors, quote-unquote, that you're the coach they want to play for. Because you know as well as I do, Adam, nobody goes to a college. No athlete goes to a college. They go to a coach. Um, And great players went to play for Lefty. And one of the things that bothered me reading some of the stories over the weekend or reading some of the responses to my column was, you know, his players never graduated, this, that, the other thing. Len Elmore went to Harvard Law School. <laughs> Tom McMillan was a Rhodes Scholar. Yeah. Um, Greg Manning was as smart as any athlete I ever met. And uh, Buck Williams was, is a Hall of Fame human. Yeah. Forget about the fact that he belongs in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And it, when I covered Maryland... Uh, right after I got out of college, they they were a joy to cover because he he recruited good kids, right? And they were fun to talk to and to write about and be around and uh, and nobody was better to be around than Lefty. I mean, if I spent ten minutes with him every day, I had a I had a story every day. One of my favorite uh, stories was when I first started covering the team. I would go to practice almost every day. In those days, you could go to practice right. as a reporter. And I was sitting on the floor one day. His practice was getting ready to start. And Lefty comes over and says, John, you got to – he actually said Feinstein. Back then, he always called me Feinstein. <laughs> and he said, you got to go sit in, in the up, upper deck of the, of the stands in Coalfield House. And uh, I said, no, Lefty, I, I want to sit here. Right. He says, no. He says, Dean doesn't let you sit, sit on the floor, does he? And I said, no, he doesn't. He said, well – 
I don't want I don't want you sitting down the floor because you're going to hear me curse. <laughs> and I said, Lefty, I could sit in Bird Stadium and I'd hear you curse. And and Dean, of course, never cursed. I mean, that's right. that's one of those legends that is is, is true. And um, and uh, he said, Yeah, you're probably right. Go ahead, sit wherever you want to. <laughs> and, and and that was the thing you could argue with Lefty. And you, sometimes you win, sometimes you lost. But I, I still remember when I first, when Jerry Faust first became the coach at Notre Dame. Okay. It was a great story, right? You know, yeah, Moeller High, high School, school coach, yep. seven day a week to, uh, to church Catholic, really nice guy. And like a lot of the national media, by then I was a national reporter, uh, I went to his opening game. And Jerry's driving, driving around campus before the game in a golf cart. Saying hello to everybody. Hey, I'm Jerry Faust. Nice to meet you. We're going to kick LSU's butt today. Go Irish. And so like everybody else in the country, I wrote this puff piece about how great a guy he was and what a great story it was and how you know nobody had liked Dan Devine, even though he won a national championship, blah, blah. So the day after, the, day the story runs, Lefty, call, Lefty would always call me at 7 in the morning because he knew I was single <laughs> and, and, and I was sleeping in. <laughs> and he'd always call me, say, Fancy, wake up, son. I got to get on you. And uh, so he calls me. And I said, Lefty, it's September. What could I have done wrong already? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, you you wrote that guy, Jerry Faust. Dan Devine, Dan Devine won a national championship. You write that guy, Jerry Faust, is Newt Rockney after <laughs> one game. I said, what have you got against Jerry Faust? He said, nothing. But I got plenty against you. <laughs> so, as you know, four years go by and left and yeah, Faust, I think Faust's best record was seven and six or something. Yeah, it didn't go well. And <laughs> it did not go well, and they lose to Air Force for like the third year in a row. And there are oust Faust signs in the dorms, and the kids are chanting, you know, oust Faust during the game. Phone rings again, seven in the morning. And voice says, Fancy, I got a question for you. Your boy Faust still riding around out there in a golf cart, or he get himself an armor tank? <laughs> You can't resist a guy like that. Uh, no. He's, uh, wh- wh- why do you think, John Feinstein is joining us here in the Adam Gold Show, why do you think, other than he never won a national championship, why do you think right. people didn't give Lefty the credit? Is it just the draw, or what What? what stopped well, Lefty from the getting draw. the credit? Well, look at who he coached against in the ACC through 17 years. Dean, Jim Valvano. Mike Krzyzewski, Bill Foster, Terry Holland, who was a, a, a student of his, a yeah. player of his at Davidson. Uh, there were so many great – Norman Sloat. There were so many great coaches yeah. that, I mean, you and I are old enough to remember that ACC yeah. and, and, and the wars that, that were games. And he lost what until Duke and Kentucky what was the greatest college basketball game of all time. That's right. the final against NC State. And – Sorry, Adam. Sorry. With Lefty's luck, of course, that was the last year only one team could go to the NCAA. Yeah. And State went one one in overtime, one hundred three, one hundred. I was at that game. I was a freshman, and um, I got to sit in one of the Washington Post seats right at midcourt, as opposed to where the students sat, where you mm-hmm. couldn't see, because Ken Denlinger had a kid who was sick and had to leave, so I sat in his seat. Wow. And I was right there at midcourt. There's four or five minutes left in the game. I'm, it's tied for the 47th time or whatever. And they're inbounding right in front of me. 
and the players start kind of jockeying and gets a little physical before the inbounds pass. And Hank Nichols, the great referee, yeah. before he hands the ball to, I think it was John Lucas inbounding, he turns to all the players. He says, stop, not in this game. So, <laughs> sorry about that, Adam. Sorry. Um, even the referees understood what a special game it was. Sure. And you know the story that Lefty went on the state bus. Yeah after the game, and said to the state players, you know, that was a great game. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of my guys. Now, you better go win the national championship. And how many coaches? Think of, how many coaches would do that? And he just lost probably, was probably the toughest loss of his career. And he still took the time and had the class to go on the bus and congratulate the state players. John Feinstein <laughs> is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. Uh, to... I guess the last uh, the last part of Lefty's era at Maryland was the passing of Len Bias, and it's right. sad that he was really scapegoated for all of that, and even more yep. sad that the university screwed up the uh, the next hire because they yeah. should have never right hi- the second time. should have never yeah they absolutely did but they should have never hired Bob Wade. Not that Bob Wade in a different c- set of circumstances couldn't have been good. That was just. There was no spot for somebody with no college experience uh, to follow exactly. Lefty Drizel. Um But what that that I know you spoke to him a lot, you know, since that, you know, not since then, but uh, but you know, around that time, what was what did that do to Lefty? On, on top of the fact that you saw a player you loved, you know, t- basically take his own life. Yeah, um, he he was brokenhearted. I don't think there's any other way to describe it. Even though he graduated from Duke, he was through and through a Maryland guy by then. Yeah, um, he'd been there 17 years and and had done great things. He had not won a national championship or gone to the Final Four, as you point out, and some of that was bad luck. Um, but he was absolutely broken hearted. I was there the day he announced his resignation, and he barely got he he didn't speak off the cuff. He he read a statement basically. Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know what's wrong with me. Adam. It's okay, John. Um, but uh, um, as soon as he got through speaking, I walked out the tunnel with him at Coalfield House. You remember that tunnel mm-hmm. vividly, of course. Absolutely. And and I walked out with he, he was with Joyce and and uh, his kids, and I I I started to ask him a question, you know, because I never like to ask questions in press conferences. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at him, and the tears were running down his face. And I couldn't bring myself to ask him anything. And he finally turned to me, and he said, John. He rarely called me John. <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming. You know, and, and I and meant a lot to him that many of us who had covered him, because I wasn't covering the team by that point, mm-hmm. um, were there. Uh, and he was a hugely emotional guy. And I don't just mean angry. Everybody thinks of the lefty stomp and all that. But he was just a very emotional guy. And he, he came. He came to my mother's funeral. Really? Um, so did Gary Williams, for that matter. I mean, that meant a hell of a lot to me. But um, that was who Lefty was. And uh, I got in trouble at one point uh, over something I'd written about John Thompson because John Thompson was a sacred cow at right. the Post back then, uh, and was obviously a great coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got three phone calls. That morning, when the word got around that I had been suspended for a week, <laughs> uh, three phone calls that morning. One was Jim Valvano, 
Mm. One was Mike Krzyzewski and the other was Lefty Trussell. And again, I can't tell you how much that meant to me because it was a low moment for me. I didn't think I deserved, I didn't think I'd done anything wrong. I had, I was the first one to make, use the reference Hoya Paranoia. And okay. the president of the school at the time, um, who happened to play tennis with Catherine Graham, the Post publisher, mm-hmm. called and accused me of being a racist for writing that. And the funny thing was, the person who most came to my defense was John was John Thompson. Because <laughs> he called Catherine Graham. He said, let me tell you something about him, referring to me. Yeah. He's a pain in the neck, although he didn't say neck. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I know he's not is a racist. <laughs> and, but, the, you know, moments like that mean a lot to you. Sure. And, uh, and, and left, and of course I ended my column with what's arguably my favorite lefty story. And I'm, you know, all of us who knew him had him literally had a million of them. It felt like. Sure. But uh, back in the days when a reporter could still go on a recruiting visit with a coach, I went with Lefty and Ron Bradley, one of his assistants, to visit a kid named Sean Alvarado in uh, Anacostia, D- okay, DC. Yep. And it was Halloween. And as we get out of the car to go see Sean. Um, about 10 or 12 little kids run up screaming, trick or treat, trick or treat. <laughs> Lefty pulls out his bill fold, peels off every bill he's got, and stuffs them in the bags that the kids are carrying. You know, he's trick or treat, trick or treat. And finally the kids run off, and Lefty <laughs> turns to Ron and me and says, damn, I hope I didn't have too many big bills on there. <laughs> and that's why I've always said Lefty's the guy who would give you his last dollar and not even think about it. Just incredible. John Feinstein. He was, an, he was an incredible guy. Forget the 786 wins and, you know, all the great games he was involved in, great players he coached. I mean, he was he was just, he was, as I said, as Ken said, he was unique. And, and unique is an overused word in sports because people forget it means one of a kind. You can't be very unique. You can't be among the most unique. You're either unique or you're not. And Lefty was unique. And I appreciate your time. Good to talk to you, Adam. Thanks.